it's Butteriki weekend. I, I, I really like the idea of having um, a holiday in the middle of um, winter. It's just a really nice break. But it's also um, a nice idea to, to look back and to look forward and to plan. And, and you know, as, as I look back, I, I have to think of the people who we've had here who are no longer with us. Um, now, we each have people who are close to us. I, I obviously think of, of Malcolm, who was a colleague, who's, who's now gone. Um, but we all have those little bits of, of ache for those people who are gone. And it's also time to look forward to what's coming, whether it be new grandchildren uh, or whatever. And, and I really want to talk about birth this morning. So we'll have the first uh, verse up, which is... Um, from uh, Romans, we know that the whole of creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So if you think um, how exciting it is for uh, one person to have a, a birth, imagine the whole of creation having childbirth. And, and I, I still remember, uh, because it was such a, a vivid experience, my first experience as a medical student uh, attending a birth and a lot of medicine is actually a bit grim, um, but this was a fantastic experience. And uh, when the woman had finished giving birth, the smile on her face was incredible, and the uh, father was so overwhelmed, and he was only a little bit older than I was at the time, he was so overwhelmed he had to sit down and, and lean up against the wall because it was such an incredibly positive experience. And if we think, as we look forward, and we look forward to the future, we think if that's the experience of one person with one baby, what will the joy be like when all creation gives, gives birth? It's a fantastic experience. Um, so we've got a lot to look forward to, but there are some other bits of, of, of being in labour that I want to talk about. First of all, it's, it's often messy. <laughs> all right. And, and it's painful. Fortunately, not all the time. It does come and go in short bursts. But they tell me it's very painful. <laughs> and, and from what I've observed, it appears to be. Uh, and it's hard work. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the messiness and, and the pain because we are not yet there. We aren't there yet. And, and I think... Um, one of the things that I had to get used to was that groaning is part of being a Christian. You know, groaning is different from complaining, different from grumbling, and it's worth looking at, at different people in the Bible who've groaned. Um, the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, groaned, and, and it said that God heard their groanings. Hannah, uh, who was wanting to have a child and couldn't, went to the temple and groaned. And it wasn't pretty. It was, it was so intense that the priest who was there thought she was drunk. But when he understood what her groans were about, uh, he prayed for her and she ended up having a child who was Samuel who became one of the, the great prophets in, in the history of Israel. We have a lot to look forward to with the, with the birth, the, the, the creation giving birth, um, and it says that, that we're going to have our bodies redeemed. And as I get a wee bit older, I'm looking forward to that bit too. Um, but I think that the amazing thing that we've got coming, but between now and then, there's a bit of groaning to be done. 
Um, we can we can look around and we can look at the world, we can look at the political situation and we can groan. We can look at what, what's happening in Ukraine, uh, even the US, even Europe, even at home we can groan. We can look at ram raids and groan. Uh, we can look at climate change and groan. And, and we can look inside ourselves and think, well, it's not all cool there either. We can groan about our own internal failings. But we haven't entered the best yet. Okay, and as C.S. Lewis, I think, said somewhere, we're still only in the preface of the book. We're not even in the first chapter yet. The first chapter will start when creation has, has we've seen the new birth, the new, the new, uh, the full redemption of ourselves as children of God. And that tension is captured quite a lot in the Bible. Um, the writer of Hebrews said, this world is not our home. And sometimes we're aware of that. We have this like, yeah, okay, is this all there is? Is this where I'm supposed to be? But this world is not our home. We're hoping for something more. Um, Peter says, you know, that we are sojourners and exiles in this world. And Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. So we are looking forward, but we are also having to live in the present. So we shouldn't be surprised by groaning. And like I said, groaning is different from grumbling or complaining. Groaning is, is something that comes out of us when we look at the world and we say, that's not right. Or we look at ourselves and say, that's not right. Um, or Matt's groaning that he's been incorrectly labelled as doing something that that's not right. But that groaning is something that, that we have to expect um, Jesus is said to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He wasn't a man. He was a man who was prepared to groan and feel the sorrows of others. Um, Jesus wept when his best friend died, Lazarus. Um, Jesus wept over Jerusalem um, because he wanted to gather them up. So the weeping and the groaning that we feel for the world is not inconsistent with our Christian beliefs. We don't have to feel happy all the time. Fortunately, the groaning doesn't go on all the time, and just like in labor, there are contractions and then periods of rest. Uh, fortunately for us, we don't groan all the time, but there are those times that we really groan. And Paul talks about the groaning about himself. He says, uh, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the, of my, the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin within me. What a wretched man I am. Who can rescue me from the body that is subject to death? And of course, the only answer to who can rescue him is Jesus Christ. But Paul was groaning about stuff that was going on internally. And he even talks in 2 Corinthians about how at one stage he became so much under so much pressure that he was beyond our ability, his ability to endure, endure, he despaired of life himself. So people say Christians shouldn't get depressed. Paul got so depressed, he, dis, he despaired of life itself. And that's not inconsistent with our Christian, with our Christian life, our Christian understanding. We, we do live in a time where we are transitioning between where we were and where we're going to be. 
and that can be messy. So I think there's a real need for us to acknowledge our groaning and engage our groaning, and I'll talk about a little bit of a pathway through some of that later, but also to engage the groaning of others without minimising it. Sometimes we like to use a platitude to try and calm things down. But often, like a woman in labour, all she often wants is someone sitting there holding a hand and wetting her forehead or, or getting her a drink or whatever. Words are often unnecessary in those deep groaning times. Your presence is what counts. And we can run away. We can try and pretend that the, the world isn't groaning. Like the parable of the rich man, we can build our, you know, our seven barns and, and decide that we're going to party for the rest of our life. And what did God say to him? If you do that and run away, tonight you lose your soul. And every time we avoid some of the pain in the world, I believe we lose a little bit of our soul. Um, the Pharisees tried to come up with a perfectly structured world uh, and understand everything. And their understanding was protection against their groaning. But it didn't really work. Jesus blew them out of the water every time by doing things that they didn't expect and they didn't understand. Um, and we can sometimes surround ourselves with nice experiences to calm us and make us feel better as well. And sometimes that could even be Christian experiences to, in order to avoid the groaning that we do inside. So I'm going to talk a wee bit more about the groaning in a minute and how God leads us through that. But while we're in this period of time, this period of, uh, of labor, if you like, there is still work to be done. So we're not just to sit around and groan all day. Uh, the, the, uh, the Israelites in, uh, were taken into captivity in Babylon. And they groaned to God. And there's a beautiful Psalm 137 about how they sat down by the rivers of Babylon and wept as they remembered what they'd lost, remembered Zion. And they couldn't even, their, their captors demanded them that they would sing songs and they couldn't sing the songs because they were in a foreign land and they were too deeply hurt inside. But rather than sit there and, and feel sorry for themselves, God said, sent word via Jeremiah, and these are th these verses that Lawrence has talked about before, that while they were there, they were to build houses, settle down, plant gardens, marry, find wives, seek peace and prosperity for the city in which they are called into exile. Because if it prospers you will prosper too. And so although we may be exiles in this world, we have a responsibility to work in this world while we're here, to work hard, to pray for its prosperity. Um, it says in the New Testament to, to pray for those in authority, um, to participate in all the good things that, that's in our society and build something that helps bring the kingdom of God a little bit closer to this world. So we're not just focused on our groaning, but there's work to be done while we're here. But how then do we find this, the strength to, to deal with this, this groaning that, we, we, that I was talking about earlier? And the first thing I, th I think we do it in community. It says, bear each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. We are not called to go through whatever pains and discomforts we go through alone, whether it be grief, whether it be 
abuse, whether it be whatever it is, uh, sadness over what's happening in our families, work crises, financial struggles, whatever. We're a community. We are the body of Christ, and we are called to minister to each other. And I think, I think this is probably a message for, for some of us here, to be prepared to open up a little bit to the body about some of the struggles that we go through, about some of the deep groans that we have inside ourselves. And like I said, there's not a solution to be found necessarily. There's no platitudes to be shared, but there is just the presence of somebody else. But the most important verse is probably the next one. Can you put the next one up? Um, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await for the... Uh, no, the next... Sorry, the... Uh, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not what we ought, know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And I think this picks up the point that Lawrence was talking about earlier about how closely we are um, melded with God, that the Spirit of God himself is interceding through us. And even the Spirit of God groans on our behalf. And I find that incredible. And when I think about who the Spirit of God is, so Jackie and I recently had a chance to do a... um, a virtual reality tour of a of a radio telescope that's being built. Um, put on one of these headsets and you look at all the stars and things. Just amazing. And then you think, and I tried to find the numbers, and they're a bit hard to find. There are something like 400 million stars in our galaxy, and there are probably, they think, up to 200 trillion galaxies. Now, if you think of the God who spoke that all into being and upheld it with his word of power, it's the same one who is within us groaning on our behalf. It's just amazing. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is inside us and groaning on our behalf when we don't know what to say. It says somewhere else that Jesus intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. This God who created this world is is just um, amazingly powerful and yet living within us. And Isaiah says, surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as if they were fine dust. So if you're worried about Putin or I don't know, Trump or whoever else you're worried about, he's not even a speck on the scales. You know, not even a speck on the scales. We've got three or 400 million stars times 200 trillion, whatever it is. That's our God, and he weighs the universe. These big things, not even a speck on the scales. They're not going to make any difference at all in his, to his power. And that is the God who lives within us. And that is the confidence that we have to enter into the groaning, I think. Because we're not going to get lost in being depressed. But as we 
as we uh, groan for the world and as we groan for ourselves, the Spirit intercedes for us. As we groan for each other, the Spirit is there with us. So I, I think that, that, that we need to have this idea that we have this tremendous future waiting for us. Better than better than childbirth, better than even having twins for for uh, for grandchildren. Although I think grandchildren are fantastic. <laughs> um, better than even that, uh, when the world finally reaches its culmination, there will be joy. There is pain on the way, as it said in the song. There is pain at the night, but joy comes in the morning. There will be groaning. We just need to make sure our groaning doesn't become complaining and whining but we're not going through this alone we have each other um, and we need to make use of that we need to share and, and sometimes it might even be professionally we may need to use that but we need to learn to open up to each other and not only do we not have each other but we have God who created 400 200 trillion galaxies inside us, as Lawrence said, melded with us, standing beside us and groaning with us and lifting us up. And our, our vision, as we look forward from Matariki, is to the future, to the creation of the new heaven and new earth. But we still also live here, so we've got this tension, one foot in each camp, uh, here and now and, and then and forever. Um, and we just need to balance that. So um, I, I, my feeling is that there are some people here who need to have other people alongside them as they groan this morning. So uh, when we finished, um, with Lawrence's permission, I'd like to invite those people to come in and we could stand with people and pray for them. Um, but I think it's really important that we have the joy in our one hand and the reality of our living our life in the other hand. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your grace to us, which is beyond anything we can imagine. We thank you for the thought that we've got all of eternity to explore how great and how loving you are and how great your universe is. We thank you that the same power that raised Jesus from the, from the grave and spoke all those stars and galaxies into being is at work within us. And at the same time, we bring before you our groans, our pains, our aches, deserved or undeserved, and bring them to you knowing that you groan alongside us. We thank you for your love with us, and we thank you for the confidence we have going to the future. Amen.